For as long as I can remember, since childhood even, when I've fallen in love with a book, I've wanted to sit down and talk with the author. Now, I'm doing just that. Welcome to Words with Writers. I'm your host, Jenny L. Weitrip. I'm an award-winning, best-selling author, and I'm talking to authors about the writing craft, the writing life, and the books you love. Thanks for joining us. I am very happy to have uh, Patricia Raybon, who uh, is one of my favorite authors. And uh, I met you this year through a mutual friend, Susie Flory. And I had actually been introduced to your work just about a month before Susie introduced us. I had come across your book, um, My First White Friend and was reading your memoir, that book, and was stuck in the beautifully well-written prologue. I had not progressed beyond the prologue, but I was so captivated by your writing, your voice, and the message of the book, obviously. But uh, so when Susie introduced us, it was, um, a joy for me. I was, as I think I told you when we met, having a fangirl moment, <laughs> one writer to another. One of my um, long-held desires from childhood is when I meet a writer whose work captivates me, I want to sit down and have a conversation with them. So this morning, thank you for that opportunity. So you are a memoirist. You uh, write devotionals. You have a best-selling devotional. You're a best-selling award-winning author. You've written many, many personal essays. Uh, those have been published in places like the New York Times Magazine, New York Newsweek, USA Today, USA Weekend, Country Living Magazine, Chicago Tribune, the Denver Post, Guideposts, In Touch, Christianity Today, and the list goes on. So you're <laughs> widely published, and all of it nonfiction up until this point. Yeah. Journalism professor for many years, and right. you taught the University of Colorado. At Boulder. At Boulder. Yeah. So that's great. So you have a wonderful background in writing, a very um, broad base of work. And then you've decided recently you tackled fiction, yes. which is how we met. So tell me how you transitioned from writing memoir and personal essays to fiction. What led you down that road? And what are some of the differences you found between writing your own stories and writing fiction? Well, um, love the questions. Love being here with you today, Jenny. Um, I don't know if others know this, but you are one of the best fiction editors in working now. And so I'm so honored to spend some time with you. Um, but also, I love talking to other writers. I love our family. We understand each other. We understand the work that we do. So thank you for having me on today and, um, and for starting with that question um, about why fiction. Um, I guess the preamble to that 
is um, the fact that I just sold my first fiction. And uh, so shall I, shall I mention that first? Absolutely. Uh, about a month ago, um, sold uh, my, my first fiction, a historical mystery romance to Tyndale House. And they uh, made a three book offer. So they wanted to turn the, um, the novel that I presented to them into a series. So um, after decades of writing nonfiction, here I am with uh, fiction on the table too. And in thinking about it, my best answer is I just love story. You know, I love movies, um, theater. Um, I love um, novels, everything from, um, you know, the, the literary, um, what we call the literary novels, to a pop, popular fiction, you know, Grisham and, um, you know, all of those people. And so um, I loved it so much, Jenny, as a writer, that I wanted to find out how it gets done, how out of the air are writers creating these characters and uh, these fictional worlds and um, holding our attention for three, 400, 500 page novels. And um, I was I'm aware as a nonfiction writer that a skill comes into play. It's a lot easier and a lot more fun to do any of this writing um, when we spend a lot of time refining the skills. And so I thought, I want to learn how to plot a novel. That's really, you know, what brought me to fiction writing as um, an, a um, category of work for myself. And um, I, I, I thought about this, Jenny, and I thought, all these people are doing it. They must know something. What do they know? <laughs> <laughs> what do they know that I don't know? And that's, you know, so I started on that, um, on that journey. And um, this summer, when the pandemic hit, and I wasn't, we weren't going anywhere. Yeah. I sat out on my um, back deck and I took all these craft books that I have collected over the years. Um, Robert McKee's book, Story. Um, John Truby's book on the anatomy, a story, and John, um, uh, James Scott Bell's book on structuring your story, <laughs> and on and on. There's so many good ones. And I just sat there, Jenny, and um, allowed myself to um, think deeply of what these um, story gurus invite novelists to do. And um, and I discovered something that I didn't know before. I, I, I don't know how I missed this, that there is a purpose to story. And you as a novelist know, know this very well, but I, I, I don't know why I hadn't thought about it this way, that uh, John Mc, um, Robert McKee talks about um, the novelist or the story writer offering a moral compass to um to readers 
um, encased in the plot. And, um, and so we can't help ourselves, you know, we just keep turning the pages. And then at the end, we say, oh, that was so good. <laughs> because we learned something, you know, that will make our, our own lives better. So that's the short answer to, um, to what um, drew me to fiction. I just wanted to know, how do you guys do this? <laughs> well, you learned, and you learned well. <laughs> as, as Tyndale has affirmed that. Uh, I pulled up as I was preparing for um, our discussion, our conversation this morning, I pulled up an email from you and you it said very much what you just said. Um, you said, in that way, I've tried to dive deep into Robert McKee's story, John Truby's Anatomy of Story, Solstein's Stein on Writing, Donald Moss, Billy Mannett, Strunk and White, you name it. And I my first reaction when I read that email um, was, oh, shoot, I have some catching up to do. <laughs> uh, I've read many of those, but it had been many, many years. And secondly, I was so struck by um, your intention, your intentionality to learn the craft. So, I, I started writing fiction. I just sat down and decided to start writing it. I didn't read anything. I didn't, I got about three chapters in and realized, uh -oh. <laughs> oh, I think there's something I'm supposed to know here. <laughs> and that's not unusual, but you were very intentional. And is that part of who you are, part of your personality? What drove that? I, well, I'm, I follow the rules. My husband and I have this conversation all the time. He'll start to cook, for example, <laughs> just, you know, throwing things in a bowl. And a lot of times it works out. Not all the time, but a lot of times. But I somehow figure, well, somebody has tested a recipe. So I don't have to, you know, reinvent it. Let me follow the recipe. <laughs> and um, and I have... Um, you know, it's interesting, Jenny, I don't, I wouldn't have described myself as a rule follower at earlier points in my life, because as creatives, you know, we, we think of ourselves as kind of um, rolling through life a little loose, you know, to see what comes along. But what I have discovered is um, there's really, it's more efficient for me to know, follow what has been tested and what um, other people have um, proven works and works really well. That's how I learned how to write devotionals, for example. You know, when I wrote my first, my one year devotional for um, Tyndale House, um, they, I asked them to connect me with Chris Ty Green, who had written at that point, seven or eight one year devotionals for them. And, um, and so we talked on the phone a long time and he um, shared some just uh, overview things about devotionals and then some craft things that always work. You know, he said, just one idea per devotional. You know, you're not writing war and peace. Just, you know, keep it narrow. <laughs> and, um, and so those things helped me so much and, um, and it's become one of my favorite formats. So with fiction, um, I figured, let me just find out what these experts already know. 
you know yeah and uh, and it's um, efficient it's very efficient i'm starting to plot um book two for the series that um tyndale bought and um in that same way i've been i went back to james scott bell's book on writing your novel from the middle yes and so when i'm on the treadmill i'm i read that's my reading right now that's great. and yeah. uh because it's it's i um it saves time and it just feels better to me to at least um believe that i believe that i i know what i'm doing and what i'm trying to do yeah yeah i love that there's so much value in what you're saying and in your process for not just new writers, obviously you weren't a new writer, uh, but for anyone attempting a new genre. And oftentimes I think it's a step that writers miss. They, they just like I did dive in and think they can do it and soon learn. Some of us learn that no, we can't do it without those who have gone before us and those who teach and um, and things change, styles change, story, format, structure, all of that changes and we need to be, um, you know, current and writing yeah. what is going to appeal to readers if we're writing for publication. So you did a fantastic job of that. So oh, can you tell you. us a little bit about, uh, the book is The Praying Detective, your first novel set in Colorado, 1923. Tell us a little bit about the premise. Um, well, first of all, that's now um, the working title. It appears ah, the that, working title, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm 99% sure that um, Tyndale will change that, but it was the working title was The Praying Detective um, about a young African-American theologian college theologian who returns to Colorado to solve the curious murder of her estranged father, a broken down cowboy. And, um, and in the course of it, you know, will she find, rediscover her faith because she's having prayer issues and father issues and God issues. <laughs> uh, will she resolve all that um, and fall in love? Um, before she becomes a victim too. Yes. So that's the hook. Yeah. And, um, and it kind of encompasses a lot of things that I'm interested in, theology and um, the, the um, life, the God life and how we live it. And um, especially when we have a problem. And at that time, uh, the Ku Klux Klan was um, ruling the state in the early 20s. The governor was a Klan member, the lieutenant governor, the mayor of Denver, the police chief uh, of Denver, the, the commissioner, the jury commissioner, um, uh, judges, little, uh, mayors and city council people all over Colorado at the height. About 50,000 people in Colorado were Klan members. And then there was a huge, um, contingent of women of the clan. So um, this the books and the books are the mysteries are not so much about the clan, but the people who are trying to live their lives 
with the backdrop. The clan is the backdrop. Yeah. And, um, and so I just wanted to um, explore that. I was telling my husband last night, early on in thinking about this book, I had a male protagonist. And, um, and then I realized, I don't know what men, what are in the heads of men when they're thinking about things. <laughs> so the protagonist is this young 24-year-old woman. But um, when I presented the, the um, manuscript to my agent, he said, okay, let's find, I love the hook, um, let's find a fiction editor to um, do a developmental edit of it. And that's how I was introduced to you. And you read it, you, you gave it two really good reads. And I, I'm sure I told you this, Jenny, I made every single recommended change that you made before I, we submitted it to a, a publishing house. And, um, so that, you know, to go back to what we were saying about um, not reinventing the wheel, you know, you are a, an award-winning novelist. Mm -hmm. And so it just made sense to me. I, I was telling you, um, I mentioned to you, you had reminded me that chapter lengths should be fairly equal throughout the, the manuscript. And in some cases, it really required me to, um, you know, shift some things around in order to meet that requirement. And wouldn't you know it, when I heard back from Tyndale, that was one of the first things they mentioned. We love the pace. We love that the chapters are the same length. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and I just, you know, I, it just gave me so much um, pleasure to have followed what you already knew. I mean, why would I argue with you about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting that that doesn't always happen, of course. And I'm not always right as an editor. We, you know, we still come to it with our own taste yeah. and preferences and all of that. Uh, but because I had read, I was in the process, actually, of reading one of your memoirs when I received your manuscript. Uh, it was fascinating to me. I knew you wrote beautifully. Obviously, you had mastered the craft of writing. Um, so it was so fun for me to get that perspective, the memoir versus the fiction. And because they're closely related, memoir and fiction, there's story arcs, there's character arcs. Um, it seems like that would have been a natural transition uh, or, or not, you know, too far off the, the beaten path from what you had done in memoir. Uh, how, what did you find different about writing fiction? And specifically, I'm interested as a writer, why you decided to write your fiction in third person when you are so accustomed to writing from a first person point of view? Yes. Well, um, starting with the first part of your question, the surprise for me wasn't the differences so much as um, the similarities. Yeah. I, and I, until you asked me the question in, in the notes you sent me for today, 
I had really not um, um, realized how similar the two are. Um, I love how Judith Barrington says, Judith Barrington, in her book on memoir, says that a memoir is um, not a story of a life. It's a story from a life. Mm. Well, a novel is too, you know, unless you're writing War and Peace or, you know, something like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, you're right. Both start with um, uh, a, a person who's having a problem and is going to um, um, explore that problem throughout the course of the, the book and at the end come to um, a point of transformation. You know, that's novel, but right? And it turns out that um, a memoir is precisely the same thing. Um, the other layer of that is that they're both reflective writing. And, um, and I, I've done uh, so much, so many personal essays and I, um, I love reflective writing um, stepping back and digging deep and thinking about what does this actually mean? And uh, the memoir does that. You know, that's the opportunity to just get in there around that one issue. And the novel, it turns out, um, is exactly the same thing. I, uh, in terms of first person versus um, third, I wrote my novel I wrote parts of my novel at one point in first person to see how it would feel to me. Mm. And because I've done so much um, essay writing, uh, it, it didn't give me enough distance, I guess, from my character. And so third person, you know, allowed that. And, um, and then of course you, you helped me to refine the, um, you know, point of view. And um, you help me to understand, okay, if you're in this point of view, then you, this character can't know A, B, and C. And, and you know, we spend a lot of time looking at that. Um, so the third person, Alfred, me, I guess, just enough distance yeah. to um, reflect on my lead character and, um, and what she was thinking about everybody else but in a third person way. And I, I um, and so I think I selected the right point of view for this, this series. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. I enjoyed working on it so much. And I just hope that people enjoy um, reading it and that these, these technical questions that we as writers think about kind of disappear mm -hmm. so that the reader can enjoy the story. Absolutely. Oh, and I think they do. I, I had the privilege of reading it for the first time as a reader and was completely captivated by the story, engrossed in it, and just thoroughly enjoyed it. Then I had to step back and go, go into work mode and analyze, but uh, yes. from a reader's perspective, it was delightful. So, but it's also, there's depth to it. Uh, it. It's everything a good novel should be. Absolutely. 
So oh, I thank you. I hope so. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think you're right. That third person perspective, that point of view for mystery is, uh, it does afford you opportunities that first person limits. And so it was, it was just right for that story, I think. Tell me a little bit about and tell our listeners, uh, you created a protagonist. You said she's young. Um, she is smart. She's spunky. Uh, she is not perfect. How did Anna Lee come to you? How did you create her? Oh, these people show up. In your... <laughs> Where do they come from, Jenny? No. <laughs> <laughs> they show up and say, write my story. And um, I, that's just so, um, you know, there's a mysticism or something about it. And, um, but her story clearly felt important to tell. The other day I did a James Scott Bell exercise where he says, take a minute and write down, why do you want to tell this person's story? And so I wrote down um, that I wanted to think about how she could um, uh, discover self-agency and uh, the value of her humanity mm -hmm. and um, the um, ability in the romance part of the novel to be loved um, as a young Black woman in the 1920s when the Klan was ruling the state. You know, I just, I wanted to um, explore that and um, and then I'm also interested in how, as our as our nation, uh, a nation of, of of people who come from everywhere, how that dynamic plays out, and um, um, how in that dynamic we can all uh, find a way to be our best selves and affirm one another and and solve a mystery in the meantime, you know. Yeah. And so um, I am, um, you know, there's, and so when my character showed up in my head, I guess, or in my heart somewhere in between there, um, it seemed an opportunity to explore all these things that, that I already was interested in, but in a fictional way. And uh, John Truby talks about the, um, the power of, um, exploring a theme as part of the plot and as part of the character. So the, a theme for this novel has to do with um, self-discovery and that, you know, destiny is not fate, it's choice. You know, you, you choose the kind of person you, you um, ultimately are going to be. And with my character, you, you described her as spunky, she wasn't so spunky at, at the beginning, you know, I first started working on this because I was, um, I had this um, fear, I guess, mm -hmm. that if I gave her too much attitude as a young black woman, that she would be a turnoff to readers. But it turned out that the more attitude I gave her, the better <laughs> character <laughs> she became. Yeah. Yeah. And so that became for me a life lesson for myself. Interesting. 
you know, that it's okay to have a little bit of spunk. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's okay to stand up for yourself. And so I learned some things um, that I needed to learn myself um, in the course of writing the story of this, this other character. So maybe that's what happens. God sends these people into our hearts and lives so we can learn some lessons um, at, for ourselves as we are writing about them. Yes, exactly. Interesting. Um, you wrote in a recent blog post, I keep just repeating what you've said. So we were on the same track. Uh, you were talking about an essay someone had asked you to write and you said, so I decided to compose this little essay to test myself, to feel how I feel. Is that what writing does for you? Yes. Yeah. Um, Even the fiction I'm writing. Sure, I'm not sure if it's um, a function of my, my personality. You know, I'm like a lot of writers, introverted. And, um, and so we do a lot of thinking, you know, <laughs> and we do, you know, and as and introverted writers do a lot of thinking on paper to figure out what we are thinking. And, um, and so I, I have really enjoyed the, that opportunity in the fiction writing as well. Yeah. And I was concerned, Jenny, that I was wondering, um, I haven't started working with my editor at Tyndale yet. That happens, I think, in about a week or so. And so I'll be interested if she um, challenges the um, introspection that my character does th throughout the, the novel. Mm -hmm. You know, she, for I don't know if it's just the right amount or if she'll, so I'll find out what she thinks. Yeah. But it felt really right to me because that's kind of, how I process things, you know, in my own life. Right. So, so it's we'll interesting to me when I talk with other novelists, we, it's a very creative process, this creation of characters and settings and storylines. And as unique as we try to make our characters, there's still a lot of the author in those characters, it yes. seems. And so, Annalie has some introspective um, traits and that comes out in the writing. And I personally loved that piece of uh, your creation of who she is as a character. And Oh, good. Thank uh, you. It'll be, it will be fun. I very much look forward to seeing this story published and uh, how it all comes together in the end. That would yes. be a great. Yes, I do too. And you mentioned setting. Um, I'm not sure how much time, more time we have, but I, I want to say that it's a Colorado story. I grew up in Colorado. And, um, and so I was surprised once I started writing how much the setting played a role in this story. I, um, you know, you, you kind of live in a place and it, it, you, your life takes on everything that that place is and so i i um really felt um privileged to share the setting of colorado um in in the story for those who you know don't live here every day and, uh, and you did a beautiful job in your opening 
your prologue of just subtly describing that high desert. Yeah. I, I felt it <laughs> and could see it. And um, gosh, some of those descriptions and you, you sprinkled them in were absolutely beautiful. Just breathtaking. It's, an, it's a special, it's a unique place. Every American place, um, you know, the American landscape is fat because we, land-wise, we're such a large place. Our regions are unique and um, so uh, and fascinating and impact, you know, who we are and how we turn out. And, and so, I, you know, I wanted to attempt as best as I could to do that for this part of the world and this part of the nation. So we'll see what people say about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's neat. So you're in the process of outlining or planning book two? Yes. Good. And um, book one was kind of a pantser. Does everybody know that phrase? <laughs> <laughs> Most I'm, of us do. <laughs> I'm pretty much a pantser um, project. But um, I have to write this by July in six months. Wow. Yeah, Jenny. <laughs> so that, so I thought, okay, um, that's okay. Let me just um, sit down and think about um, what that means. You know, what are some plot moments um, that might work their, their way into this book? Because they're visual and cinematic and um, and have a lot of tension in them. So I've been working on that. Um, did this morning, I listened to some uh, recordings, oral history recordings from the Denver Public Library Western History Division. Boy, they're fascinating. And so just, you know, so you have some, some worse research, some material in my, my head. And, um, and then I have been um, allowing myself, and I, had, I really uh, struggled with this for a minute. I thought, if I outline, does that steal the creativity from the project? But um, I decided I can't indulge myself that way because I have a deadline. Yes. And, and I think the, however one defines outlining, that will help that. Uh, me to meet that deadline. So yes, I'm I'm doing that now. I mean, I'm really enjoying thinking about um, the shape of this mouth, the second story of Annalee, the Annalee Spain mysteries. That's, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's interesting how a deadline will push you to do things differently. But um, gosh, I'm a firm believer in in our unique process, and so. Yeah. Yes, you have to discipline yourself in the midst of that, obviously, to meet those deadlines. But we find what works for each of us. And, you know, we use the plotter and the pantser label. And I think most often we're somewhere in between. In between. And, yeah. yeah, I think so, too. Uh, well, I can't wait to read book two. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question that I'd like to end on, um, okay. just because I have thought a lot this year about, as many of us have, uh, the impact of 
2020 and everything that we have gone through, uh, pandemic, uh, shutdowns that continue. Here we are in November. Um, the racial unrest that this year brought again and continuing. Um, what has in the midst of this year, uh, what has community looked like and meant for you as a writer? And has it played a role in what you do? Um, yes. I um, have met so many people on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> the other day, Jenny, um, I, I recently joined Sisters in Crime. And, um, and so I've been uh, going to Sisters in Crime meetings all over the country because they're on Zoom. And so I went to one the other day, and um, the, the guest speaker just started um, publishing about 10 years ago and already has three or four series. And so she described her writing um, process um, and how um, organized and thoughtful it is every day. And, um, and so the writing community um, has been available to me this year in a way that's um, has never happened before unless I went physically went to a writing conferences, you know, which I love. But it's turned out, ironically, I've met, I feel that I've, I've met more people virtually than um, I might have in any other way. And in that meeting have come to value what I've learned from so many people and uh, from so many other writers. And so that has meant, um, I really value that. I was thinking about that the other day. I just feel really, really grateful for the connections that ironically, you know, we've been um, forced, I guess, to make because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then the other part of that, uh, the other part of the answer to your question is what it has required of me and I made a note to myself that the, the watch word for me, the byword for me, has been courage. Mm -hmm. Because people are dying. Yeah. And, um, and so I think for, um, for those people whose um, stories may be um, lost, um, and for, uh, for those people, the rest of us here, um, have to sit down at our keyboards and um, do the scary hard thing and tell some really, really good stories yeah. about how we confront life and, uh, uh, and confront hard times and, and challenges. And, um, you know, if we um, are being left to do that, then let's, let's go all in and do that. And, um, and so that's how I'm challenging myself. I have, a, I have an essay due today to the Encourage blog at Spring. Yeah. And last night when I was working on it, you know, I always come to this place in the writing where I say, oh, I, maybe I shouldn't say that. But this year, I just feel like I'm saying, you better say that. Wow. You know? Right. And so, um, and I find when I do, people are just so grateful 
that somebody is um, stepping in and um, and helping us to look at tough things and hard things, and um, and in our case as writers of faith, um, see what God wants us to know. Yes. So. Um, very wise words. Thank you. So, yeah, I ask the Lord to help us, help us. You know, we, when we as writers, we get, we do, I think about the woman, or not the woman, the writers this month, this, I'm, I'm not sure when this will air exactly, but this happens to be National uh, Novel Writing Month mm -hmm. while we are talking. And I think about all those writers who are out there really plugging away to get their um, word count every day and Mm -hmm. um, you know, I hope we can um, hear from one another encouragement to um, keep at it, you know, and um, at the, those moments of weakness or doubt, self-doubt, um, take a walk around the block and sit yourself back down and say, yes, I can. <laughs> yes, I can. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to make it the best I can. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love that. Your thought on courage and we need to encourage one another. And that is the beauty of community and yes. the necessity of community. And especially for some of us who are more introverted or obsessively introverted like myself <laughs> sometimes even jumping into community requires courage uh, but boy that uh, what we receive from others and what we offer others is so important and you're right now more than ever so yes yes thank you for that thank you so much for your time for sharing some of what you've learned and your wisdom and uh, I hope we can talk again when the book comes out. Okay. Uh, I can't wait to promote it and uh, read it again so I will look forward to that. Do you have a release date yet? Um, not an actual date but um, it's fall 2021. Right. So, um... Thank you for listening to Words with Writers. For show notes, links, and resources for writers, go to wordsfor